0: Weekend. Variety. Wireless.
1: from 1978 massive hit for patty smith she got what she wanted i'm famous more on that later <laughs> grant smithies joins us for another <laughs> album from the class of 1978 it serves as an interesting reminder i think when patty smith landed this is her third album isn't
0: it yeah yeah it is it is, and it's, it was huge at the time. It was the biggest the big sort of breakthrough one, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Largely because of that very song, co-written by Bruce Springsteen, which gave it a big kick up the ass and made a lot of people, I suppose, check it out who might not have otherwise. And
1: She's universally lauded and loved, wrongly, in many ways, I think. That may bristle with a few people, but we'll explain. Nonetheless, that's neither here nor there about whether the album's great. And yeah, what do you I, think? I... Th- I was pleasantly surprised I love her voice I love her delivery I think she throws in some really good ideas on this record meshing some of that sort of punk poetry with rock and roll songs it works
0: yeah yeah an occasional sort of chanting folk bits and you know it it veers around all over the place in an interesting way yeah heaps of songs that loosely hang off the themes of death and resurrection as you might expect from that religious title of Easter. Various songs come at that from different directions. Reincarnation.
1: I think that's clear but I also think people make a little too much of it. It ain't a concept album but it is what Easter hangs on here
0: and there. Yeah Yeah. and it's kind of you can see why it was the breakthrough record in a way because it's more conventional than either of the previous records eh? Mm. Horses and um, Radio Ethiopia were probably harder for people to get their head around. There's a stronger sort of pop melodies in the back of some of these songs.
1: Yep, there are. And I think there are also some interesting off-ramps, things like Ghost Dance, which we'll address a little later on. But let's hit track one side one, shall we? Till Victory. What do you want to say about it?
0: Oh Well, the thing that has always struck me is the most resoundingly hilarious about this song is the chords on the intro are exactly the same as Hello Sailor's Blue Lady. Whenever I hear it, I think it's sort of a cover. Identical. Amazing. And then it goes off somewhere else. Fortunately,
1: I wonder if she heard Blue Lady because that predates this.
0: <laughs> okay, I think so. Oh, no, I'd say they're pretty. You're pretty standard rock and roll chords. Yeah. It just, um, it just sort of falls that way on your ear if you're a New Zealander.
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Good o. Yeah. Okay, the Patty Smith group, she did manage to gather together a pretty hot set of people interested in her stuff, didn't she?
0: She did. And Lenny Kay, probably the most interesting, eh? He yeah. had his finger in more pies than a bloody clumsy baker, that boy. Like, he put together um, that famous Nuggets compilation of garage rock, which I, I really rate. Years ago, he was a sort of rock writer and things. He worked in record stores for years. The story is that that's where she met him because he wrote a piece in some magazine about his love of 50s do wop music, which you also hear references to on this record. Hattie also was a big fan, and she went in there to meet him and talk about this thing that he'd written that she thought was so brilliant, and then they became creative buddies for years, decades. <laughs> oh, like, I saw her play in Melbourne, six or seven years ago when she was there in the arts festival mm-hmm. and a couple of these original players were still playing with her but her son jackson was playing the um lenny k parts but the rest of the band was pretty much intact from back in the day
1: yeah oh yeah. a little background it just reminded me when you said you went and saw her live she yeah. didn't fall off the stage and break her neck like she actually did a few months yeah. wasn't it or a year yeah, or something yeah. before this yep.
0: Yes. Sometime on the tour that was associated with Radio Ethiopia, she walked off the stage and there was a a big drop on the front side and she messed herself up big time. And this record came after she had sort of recuperated from that, but not too long after, I don't think.
1: No, and that's why the original name of this record was going to be Look Where You're Going.
0: (laughs) Yes. But fortunately, they went for something a bit more evocative (laughs) in the end.
1: Quite serious injuries too, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, 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 I think so.
1: It wasn't Um, just someone going over for a vague sense of anxiety in the penalty box in a World
0: Cup match. No, none of that. I imagine some of these songs were written during that sort of recuperation period because I think she's pretty bedridden for a good while
1: there. Yeah. All right, Uh, let's hear Space Monkey co-written with Tom Verlaine. She really did like to gather around influential people around herself. She
0: did. And Tom Verlaine is almost Patti Smith with more testosterone in some ways. Like, you listen to some of those early television records and his sort of whiny singing style is really similar. He's like a male Patty Smith yeah. and vice versa, mm-hmm. you know. They were an item at one stage, although not for very long, I don't think. Nice sort of peculiar song with the organ intro and the talk over bit. Yeah. Those chugging electric guitars, I quite enjoy how mental it gets towards the end of the song with all manner of chimp noises and so
1: on. I think it's got great energy. New York style punk influence. Yeah definitely. Space Monkey.
2: Right an old rusty Polaroid starts crumbling in his hands. He says, oh man, I don't get the picture. This is no picture.
1: Bass Monkey co-written uh, with uh, paddy Smith, Ivan Kral, who's the bass guitarist with the Patti Smith group at the time, and Tom Verlaine. All right, people will be wondering, hey, why are you dissing Patti Smith? She's awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, depends who you talk to, doesn't it? It really does depend who you talk to, and it was a revelation. On so many fronts, when I read the stunning book, Go and Get It at Once, listeners, Please Kill Me, The Uncensored Oral History of Punk, and there is no editorial in it whatsoever. It is done in Witness style, people who were there. And I was kind of surprised, very surprised, how many people who I rate, that's the thing, Petty Smith uh, doesn't get a great review, does she? <laughs> she,
0: really, she really doesn't, because I've read that too. Yeah, often people talk about her being passingly interested in them early on when she was trying to get a toehold in the music biz and then gradually going off her as she became slightly more famous and up herself and would cut them dead and not talk to them and rapidly become quite peculiar with people, eh? That was the and, impression I got.
1: And also... She maybe thought it wasn't visible, but so many people could see that she was trying so hard to be in a group that she wasn't, and she did so by manipulating others around her. Yeah. you got to say, a bit of a fake at the time.
2: Yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying
1: she didn't do great music.
0: She did. That is the impression you get from that book, because, I mean, one of the most interesting things about that book, as you say, there's no overlay of one person cobbling together a narrative and deciding what you should believe and not believe yeah you've got snippets on every page from multiple people talking about the times you know so you get a paragraph or so of one person in a paragraph of someone else and they'll sometimes be talking about the same gig even from multiple yeah. directions eh? and some of the various facts about what went on are hazy as you might expect from different people recalling it down the years but you get Fantastic undercurrents of the vibe of the time, how loose people were, what they thought about what was going on, but also what they thought about Patti Smith, which for a lot of them was not very much. (laughs) A lot of people really went off her, which is interesting, isn't it? Because she's so almost uncritically revered by lots of people these days. When I went to see her in Melbourne, I was just over there for the arts festival and she happened to be on, but people were weeping and it was like they'd been ushered into the presence of a deity of some kind. <laughs> Great show, but I think there's this idea of her being a relentlessly marvellous character since day one, and I don't know that that was the case. Have you read either of the books she's written herself? No, I haven't. Like people tell me, like Just Kids and The L-Train or whatever, people say those are brilliant for giving a different slant on those times. Yeah, well, she wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Haven't read them, sorry. But uh, it was like if she would be able to spot the most important famous people that would be able to get her where she wanted to go would be their very, 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 very best friend until she spotted another one and yoink
0: away. (laughs) Yeah, that is the impression. Even if you write off some of that commentary as being the disgruntled ramblings of jealous folk or sexist pricks that didn't like the fact that he was a really powerful and ambitious woman. I don't see um, it. You're still left with a core of quite a lot of quite clear-thinking characters that have real issues with it, <laughs> definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, Terry Ork, I might as well read from it. I think Patty was living a very public persona. Patty would always kiss somebody and then look at you to make sure you'd notice, almost as if she was acting out a sort of 1920s Paris kind of bohemian role. <laughs> See who I'm friends with?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the pre-selfie era. You oh. just had to be noticed by real people. Yeah, yeah. And with your famous friends. Okay. One of whom, of course, was Bruce Springsteen. So maybe we should talk about Because the Night, because suddenly she's gone from being a sort of underground phenomenon to um, on rock radio and even pop radio with the song, eh? yeah. It's a pretty straight-ahead radio rock anthem complete with an almost comically trad guitar solo in the middle of it and remains still her biggest ever hit.
1: written with Bruce Springsteen, uh, if you wanted to call anything a commercial breakthrough, that surely was. Uh, just another quote from Please Kill Me. Jared Malanga is part of the Warhol thing, really helped Patty out a lot with the publishing of one of her books. And he says, I was a little pissed off at Patty because when the book came out, she thanked Anita Pellenberg who she didn't even know, and a few other people, and didn't thank him. Gerard Malanga actually published that book. Here she was, he says, somebody who was totally unknown, and I was pushing her because I believed in her as an artist. I went out of my way to get her work known, and then she just turns around, and she's thanking Bobby Neuwirth and Anita Pallenberg? I mean, what the fuck's that about? I never broached the subject with her, but I was very deeply disturbed about this. I thought it was brown-nosing.
0: Yeah. I think she overrated her own talents early on in a sort of fake-it-to-make-it way. I don't have any sort of lasting issues with that, uh, No, she's it, like these days. It doesn't raise my thoughts of her. No, neither. But she made a sort of breakthrough and then continued to do interesting work across a decade or so. So, you know, she obviously had yeah. some skills there that needed developing, and she had a quite high opinion of herself early on when they really needed developing. Mm. <laughs> but maybe that helped to give the confidence to achieve a few things. Yeah. To be charitable, you
1: know. Oh, well, I'm sure Patty Smith is a very, very different person, though, than um, who she was then. I think people always ask her about her feminist credentials, which is a pain in the arse and a stupid thing to do. But anyway, she has replied and saying, I have a daughter and I have a son. I'm a humanist. So... Well, hats off. This is the Weekend Variety Ones
2: on Radio Live.
1: Patty Smith and the album Easter. Bit of a cracker, actually, uh, yeah. before we talk about more of her background and uh, character and stuff. Ghost Dance. Shall we rip into this? Yeah, I
0: love this. Me actually, too. This, this is always uh, one of my favourite things on this record. It sort of harkens back to earlier folk chants and things that she hadn't done much of before. It's a song about sort of reincarnation with its We Shall Live Again palava over acoustic guitars and, you know, basic percussion and the occasional, you know, wooden flute that wouldn't be out of place in Takika at a hippie gathering.
2: Yeah.
0: But, you know, it's like you're getting inside, uh, in touch with the hippie side. There's yeah, something that's sort of hypnotic, chanting style of it. It's lovely, I reckon.
1: I think so, too. And occasionally this thing does get done around the New York, Detroit scene. remember the Stooges' first album and, God, I forget the name of the tune, but that, yeah. um,
0: I, uh, some sort of desert ethnicities music. Yeah. Yeah, well she was quite fascinated with Native American history and culture. That was and that I think that's what drove this particular song.
1: Post-dance. I wrote maybe my fave. Yep, same. Now, this thing being Easter and there are a few Christian-y resurrection themes, I do run into people that I suppose haven't read Please Kill Me, that <laughs> think Patti Smith, Brooklyn, skinny Jew, lesbian, feminist. Yep. None of the above.
0: No. She was born in Chicago, wasn't she? Originally, I think. A Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, and and actually even um, in New Jersey, rather than New York too, when when she moved with the, when the family moved across.
1: None of that's a crime, but it's interesting, you know, the the perception versus what is there.
0: And also had a really enduring heterosexual relationship and raised a couple of kids with Fred Sonic Smith from MC5. Yeah, you know, for yeah. over over decades.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she had a kid really early on too, and got adopted out. Yep, right. Mm. Okay, how much can we play with Babalog and Rock and Roll Nigger? Because I think it's all good, if not great,
0: yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. I like the way it, it crashes in on semi-improvised rant over live crowd noise. It sounds highly improvised and really adrenaline-saturated, doesn't it? Like an incantation where she's sort of getting, uh, uh, you know, repeating bits of it because she's so wound up. I quite like the way it gets you feeling quite kind of keyed up yourself listening to it. The first part, babalog and then it crashes straight into rock and roll nigger. You know, she got taken to task, and possibly quite rightly, for comparing her own situation to black Americans, which is something that is people kind of casually do that doesn't really wash, I don't think, you know. I always liked it the first time around, but... It seems a bit sort of strangely presumptuous in, in hindsight.
1: No, I see what you mean. Oh, this is yeah. why you're here. You listen to the words. I actually just like the music. <laughs>
0: yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. What well, we can, anyway.
2: Rise beneath this of skin I wake up, I am lying peacefully I'm lying my I'm lying peacefully and my knees are open Muslim. In heart, I am an American now, and in heart, I'm a Muslim in heart, I'm an American artist. And I have no guilt. I see pleasure, I see nerves under your skin. And now trade, the the, narrow archway, the, rares, the scroll of ancient letters. You worship the floor, the belly, the belly, the belly.
0: And the way the first bit crashes into the second bit, it's like things that that happened on horses, eh? Where a song just slides into the next thing, just changes up a gear or down a gear or whatever. She does that quite... And that band does that quite nicely, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, the second side of the record... heads more into the sort of territory I associate with those longer, drawn-out things that were on horses, which is still my favourite record of hers, I think.
1: Okay, well, this one, Privilege Set Me Free, uh, one of the songwriting credits is Psalm 23. According to tradition, anyway, that's written by David of Judea.
0: A little-known punk songwriter, back in the day. (laughs) So they say. I've never soldiered my way through the Bible, but you get a decent whack of biblical imagery in the second half of this record, don't you, starting off with this? song yeah things that go in and out of um, psalm 23 oh. and her own bits and there's also references apparently to a, a british film that satirizes um, fame and authoritarian regimes and so on called privilege including the quotes of various lines from it and stuff but i've never seen that film so i don't know what the guts is with that
1: privilege set me free or part thereof
2: I see it all before me. The days of love and torment, the nights of rock and roll, I see.
1: delivery i just think it's really bristling
0: great voice great voice yeah the sort of nasal thing is works with her eh? right it's gutsy though it comes from the guts of her
2: yeah
0: it's got got real power to it for sure all
1: right we should talk about her relationship with uh, robert maplethorpe he did the famous cover for horses
0: the famous cover for horses where she's got the white shirt on and the thing slung over her shoulder. They flattered together for years and they had a long term sort of sexual relationship although he was predominantly gay. Gay beforehand, gay afterwards had a relationship with Patty in the middle sometime and they shared a house. The time when I went and saw her play live she'd also done an exhibition of relics and stuff in a photography gallery across Melbourne and lots of it were things that were Mapplethorpes photos of them together but they were also his old suit jacket and Mm. this and that, stuff that she, like one of her really formative early dear friends. Uh, and he died 89, AIDS? Yes, took some amazing photos along the way.
1: Oh, sure um, did,
0: yeah. yeah. And I think that first book, um, Just Kids, looks at their relationship and the sort of what New York was like when they were living there together.
1: Okay, we'll take another break. We'll be back very shortly. Patti Smith, Easter, the breakthrough album with the hit Because The Night. Came out in 78. We three were inside too, well and truly.
0: Yep. And this is another thing on here that I like. I've got a lot of time for this song. It's piano, intro, and pretty straightforward. But to me, there's some real tenderness in it. And even with her vocals that are sometimes fairly unconventional, you can hear her deep love of 1950s doo-wop. In this, mm. I reckon. Okay. You know the, the phrasing of it. You can imagine do uh, what chorus behind her, even on some of it. Even though it's just the instrumentation is really different, it's just got that sort of vibe all over it to me. You
2: mm. say you want-
1: Three, uh, Patty Smith from Easter. I do want to get through the next tune because I think the final track, which you know, sometimes. Because of time constraints, you know, we, we only play a little bit of it before the doot-doot-diddly-doot music to news happens. <laughs> but I really love Easter. So let's just say a little bit about 25th Floor and High I mean, On Rebellion.
0: I guess the most obvious thing about it when you first hear it is it's an enti- entirely like a T-Rex boogie tune. It starts out like bang-a-gong or Jeepster or one of those sort of things with the organ underneath it swelling out. The beginning to me is like Paddy does T-Rex.
1: 25th floor and some high on rebellion it's one it's another one of those you know poetry merges into the next tune okay we'll take our last break come back easter
0: you're tuned in to the weekend variety wireless from
1: 1978 easter let's round up whatever else we want to say about the album and paddy smith before we hit this tune because i reckon it's quite a special thing
0: yep agreed as far as the overview of Patty Smith in general outside of this record I bought Wave which is the record that comes next mm. and then parted company. Horses Radio Ethiopia Easter and Wave have all got marvellous bits Okay,
1: some of the anecdotes and samples we've taken have been from Please Kill Me, the uncensored oral history of punk which is essential reading for anyone interested Yeah. Legs McNeil and jillian Jillian mccain yes and there are updated versions a lot of death notices in the back as you'd expect yes all right now Um, easter forget about the religious imagery Uh, well i will because you can talk about the words if you like yes Uh, now how rarely church bells are used in a rock song and they cut through magnificently. It's just one of the most beautiful sounds to throw in a rock song, and so few people do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they'll get chucked into the chorus if you're um, Phil Spector, but this fades into Peeling Bells right from the start. eh? It establishes an unusual mood right from the intro.
1: Okay, we are going to play as much of it as we can, and you'll certainly hear some church bells, uh, but the album's Easter and it's easily available. Anything else you want to say?
0: there's a a whole bunch of Catholic imagery around baptism and communion and the blood of Christ. It's ultimately some pretty cheap wine and a funny wee biscuit. You got it. If I was to say that, that my mallow puff of an evening was Muhammad Ali, people would lock me up. <laughs> exactly. But, but there's something, like you say, the main point is there's something lovely about the song. You almost get a second-hand jolt of power from religious imagery, even if you're an atheist, don't oh, you? of course, yeah. It's, it's so laden with vibrations of mystery and magic, and you can see why it's been ransacked by songwriters forever um, and that's what goes on here but there's a mix of religious imagery but she was also talking about the seasons and things like she's a, a sort of pantheist or a pagan and now i think they're interestingly woven together over a, a thing that's melodically gorgeous thing eh? and she mentions um frederick the husband throughout the various mentions of assorted humans that drift in and out of the religious bits as well. Right, okay. Lovely thing though.
1: Okay, Grant Smithies, thank you very much. We'll Any time do
0: another one too. Okay.
2: Dying and trying as I rise to know